0: Traded. movies <laughs> this is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't now we talk about movies my name is ryan whedon my name is matthew fisher and today we are joined by those scallions from the gayish podcast mike johnson and kyle getz
1: hey what, what's a scallion?
0: Mm, i think i, have I put it at at dinner on the yeah. other day is that a green onion
1: that does hip-hop yeah it's yeah. <laughs> <That's> delicious oh <laughs> well, hey oh hi <laughs> <laughs> hey there
0: this is my first time being the sound sub. We're using your equipment today. Yeah, it's
2: usually kind of Ryan's the, the audio dom. So sound it daddy. sounds
3: amazing,
1: <laughs> it's because Mike is in charge mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Also, like I just turned the bass up on mine nobody else's right? oh yeah no you just got you're sick gonna... that's how you turned up your own yeah, base no, that's true you're all base <laughs> no trouble <laughs> megan trainer loves me <laughs>
0: we hashtag might me some, too we might do some takes uh so... some takes later of you just uh just saying some words and then uh, well, we
3: could be like your your voiceover guy yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. in a
1: world <laughs> <laughs> that's good mm-hmm. thank you quality wow this isn't your first rodeo <laughs> is it <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, I guess for listeners who have not gone through our entire back catalog, maybe y'all can uh, talk a little bit about yourselves.
3: Yeah, so we're from the podcast Gayish, which is a podcast that talks about gay stereotypes. And I think one of our first like crossovers with someone that wasn't in Mike's family was with (laughs) (laughs) y'all. And we talked about that one movie that we talked about on yours. That one. Celluloid Clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got it. They knew what I was talking Which about. Which I feels
2: like episode 28? Let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, so a long time ago, because we're. This is episode
1: 88.
2: We were. <laughs> seven. 87. There we go.
3: We were all just baby podcasters then. And now, right? No, yeah. Still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's great.
2: Yeah, I've learned very little about podcasting in the <laughs> intervening like fourteen months since we recorded last. I, I really
0: want to get into all your all's personal life, so start from the beginning okay. and uh, yeah. I'll just yeah. edit as
3: necessary. Okay. <laughs> it was a dreary night. <laughs>
1: Ooh, we're getting conception in this one. <laughs> <laughs> My, My parents th- were kind enough to let me know that I was conceived on the beach, oh, Valentine's really? Day of nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, it you was came a out of the weekend. womb, sand in your hair and in your shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. how far up there it went, oh my apparently. <laughs>
2: well, that's what I always think about having sex on the beach. Like, how does sand not just get right up in there?
1: It, it does. <laughs> there, there are lots of things that sound good in theory that are objectively terrible, yeah. like sex on the beach. Yeah. yeah. like when... Foot jobs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I
3: don't know if that sounds good on paper, though. No, that just loses on all accounts. Nothing sounds good about that.
1: Okay. <laughs> Great Monogamy. Sorry. No, I don't know what else <laughs> also bad on paper.
0: <laughs> I, I think actually we can use this as a pivot point into the movie. You mentioned Valentine's Day? Yeah, oh. well, our movie came out on the day after Valentine's Day. Oh, really 1980.
1: Really? Wow, yeah. you did huh. research on this movie A little bit. <laughs> wow. Show of hands, who else was alive when this movie came out?
3: When did-
1: oh, I missed it by like
3: <laughs> I missed it by like four months. When did it come out?
1: 1980?
3: Oh, I wasn't even close. I
2: no. was it by four months and six was, years. Yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't even a twinkle in my pappy's eye at that point. You weren't even a grain of sand in your mother's <laughs> womb.
0: I doubt they had sex on the beach. Uh,
3: my parents were kind enough to never talk about this with me, <laughs> like most parents should.
0: Yeah, that seems like more normal.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I was a broken condom, so. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my parents were never married. Why
1: would they tell you that?
2: Well, I mean, I just assumed that... <laughs> Wait, you assume they use a condom? <laughs> or, I mean, it could have just been a drunken night of, like, yeah, I'm on the pill and not being on the pill. Like, oh, yeah. Mm, just, that just doesn't seem like my mom's style. Okay. So I'm assuming broken condom or defective diaphragm, perhaps, or... Matt's something... mom, chime in, please. <laughs> something
1: <laughs> along <laughs> those lines. Thought he, was,
3: <laughs> thought he was in the ass, but was really in the front. <laughs> Maybe
1: uh but yeah so do, and she and so does she, she's like yeah that's it that's the right place <laughs> i feel like last time we were on your show we were on our best behavior not so much don't no no <laughs>
0: this is a good movie to not be on your best behavior
2: yeah i mean if the, if last time we picked a classy film and today is a movie about anonymous sex at leather bars yeah. so. so gay sex well, I don't know how many of those straight leather bars you've gone to, but...
1: Uh, Mac and Cameron, when he was on our show, said that they used to exist, that they don't really anymore, that the gays kind of took it over. Hmm. But...
3: No, they took it over from the gays. They started, like, leather started with the gay men, and then straight people were like, oh, <laughs> I'm, like, putting my fist in things. And so they started doing it, and then they had to have their own bars, because all that stuff was illegal. Like, they had to have their own bars that they, like, shut down the, like, spanking and the, like
0: with women because yeah. women yeah. didn't
3: like it no oh no no because the cops didn't like all that stuff was like considered so risky that even straight people couldn't do it at the clubs they would come by and have to be like nope this is a pet store that's bullshit <laughs>
1: roll out the rabbit cages we've, we've got an image to <laughs> this uphold cat of nine tails is a
3: cat treat
2: This movie is called Cruising. 1980, William Friedkin, Al Pacino. It was a controversial one at the time.
0: Controversial at best.
2: <laughs> what is it at worst? just a movie oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: oh they'd be lucky for it to be controversial because like that implies that there's some kind of like quality to it that is debatable or something
2: yeah well yeah the gay community did not appreciate this movie they upon were its not release. happy and in
0: fact one of the people who was uh leading the charge was Vito Russo who uh the celluloid closet is based on so oh. I realized that watching this that a lot of my opinions about cruising had already been formed by that documentary. And uh, going into it this time, I was prepared to think it was gonna be a terrible movie. And guess what? I liked it. I thought it was, a good movie i'm a mm-hmm. i'm
2: a big freaking fan i'd seen this movie before and liked it and i liked it even more on rewatch i felt it was even meatier when i was really analyzing it and watching it
1: yeah there was not enough meat in the movie though
2: like, <laughs> well like... we'll talk about this a little bit later but william Friedkin directed some very raunchy scenes that eventually had to be cut because they would not release it yeah
1: i prefer my movies like i prefer my dicks uncut <laughs> <laughs>
2: but there's
0: plenty of uh, you, you do get to see a lot you see like a, a guy Chris going up his hand yeah and, uh, yeah yeah and a well, man it, in a sling
1: during the first murder scene there are definitely flashes of frames of yeah a dick yeah going in an ass yeah yeah that was a couple different really times great. in the movie Did, yeah you didn't notice that no yeah there, yeah there's like you know f- you know fight club in inserted oh. random, like a single frame in huh. in the middle <gasps> of, of the sequence but it was also
0: like weird video effects on it so it looked mm-hmm. a little distorted kind of oh yeah
3: There's like a
1: Picasso that. penis, but it was happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it, you yeah. could tell it
0: was a penis going in a butt. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. you'll take what you can get in this <laughs> day and age. In 1980, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What'd you two think? Did you? What? How'd How'd you feel about it?
1: My edible kicked in about an hour in, and I was stoned AF. So I'm not sure if my confusion at the end was because it's a confusing movie or because of the weed. It's uh, a confusing
2: ending. When the big black man in the jockstrap comes in and slaps oh them. Oh my God, we're, we're, we have to we're talk ju- about that. <laughs> we're, we're jumping ahead. We're jumping we ahead. To talk about that.
3: Part of what I walked away with this was like, I want to redo this movie. like, And it would be very similar, but like, if it wasn't for when it came out, then I think... It today could just be a representation of a very specific like subculture of gay people. It's the like people's reaction to it was it's like one of the very limited views people had of gay yeah, people. Yeah, it's like there's like
2: two movies before yeah. this about gay people and then like this is the third one. Yeah. yeah. And and people were upset because they're like, We're not like that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So that context aside, like I thought it was good there were just I'll have to talk about a couple things that confuse me about the movie, and I like had to read the Wikipedia article to like totally understand what was happening so i i think i liked it ish but wasn't but maybe not
2: okay okay (laughs) okay (laughs) so the basic premise of the movie is that in these gay s&m leather bars people who frequent them are ending up murdered those body parts you know showing up in east river takes place in new york that was rudy giuliani driving that boat did y'all notice
0: that
1: are you fucking kidding me? No, but it looked like him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay, that so happened multiple times. We're yeah. we're we're sitting here on the Couch Island watching the movie, and
3: you—that was like Benedict Cumberbatch. You, he's here.
1: You and Stephen, both
3: of you, were like, "Oh, that looks like so and so." I'm like, "Okay." And then I made you rewind it, even though you said he maybe wasn't alive. At this
1: movie is thirty-seven years old. I, yeah.
3: Benedict Cumberbatch, is in this movie as an extra. <laughs> it's where he got his start and i believe rudy
0: giuliani was driving that boat Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. there was this there was a part like when they had that like all the police stuff they were working on uh one of the cards said de blasio on it i'm not kidding about that so bill Bill de blasio yeah well it said just de blasio but i'm assuming oh maybe it was like the same guy did you guys recognize
2: ed o'neill in this
0: yes yes Yes, that was one of the i
3: was like okay no seriously this time that time it was like
0: for real (laughs) actually now. Yeah, so Al Pacino has to go, is called in to go undercover in these leather bars to find the killer, basically.
2: The way that I used to describe it to people who hadn't seen it is that Al Pacino puts on his best Lou Reed disguise to infiltrate the seedy underbelly of Freddie Mercury lookalike clubs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. His hair is terrible in this movie Oh, too. it's so bad. It's it, like poofy. I, like, Al Pacino's not like a unattractive person but he looks so unattractive in this movie yeah
0: I don't know I don't know what's
2: going on the fro was not working for me I don't know that's true
1: I'm curious was there anything in the movie that made it clear he was being selected for he could pass as a gay person they talked Mm -hmm. about your physical appearance matches that of the the victims the Mm -hmm. people that were finding in the East River look like you maybe I was reading into it but I felt at the time like I was picking up a oh and you're probably gay
0: I got that a little bit too. There's some ambiguity in that first interview scene where he's like... Let me ask you something.
2: Have you ever had your cock sucked by a man?
3: A man?
0: <laughs> no. But you could kind of seeing his eyes he's playing it both ways like no <laughs> oh, what is this interview about like and then there's also like this twinkle in his eye kind of he's also playing the angle of like is my like superior coming on to me oh <laughs> yeah and he's kind of thinking like how do i play this a little bit so, so i think that's valid
3: i think al pacino in this movie's gay like that i think his character is gay this was one of those times where i was like he like drilled him way too hard um
0: phrasing with
3: questions like he kept doing it wasn't just like hey you suck dick no okay here's what i want to talk to you about it was like he kept going for like an uncomfortably long amount of time
2: my f- feelings on it was that one of the reasons the movie was controversial was because it sort of implied that by going to these S and M leather bars that it would corrupt you that going to it is like what made him more violent like near the end of the movie uh but watching it this time i think i'm more on that side that like he had been repressing it and going to these leather bars only like unleashed it but he didn't know how to explore it in a healthy manner even being at these bars he still didn't know quite what to do with these like newfound emotions because like a lot of times in the movie like the the Shit that he sees at these leather bars is still like rattling around in his head when he's at home or when he's with his girlfriend and he doesn't know how to like stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And
3: whenever he like tries to hook up or does something that's like really close to some kind of gay sex, he comes home and has sex with his girlfriend. I would watch
1: gay porn and then I would bang my ex wife to prove that I wasn't gay. So I get that.
3: Yeah. You just made it sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's an important point is that I think this movie isn't even a gay movie. I think it's a cop story about self-discovery that happens to have a but gay a, angle to it. But
3: it's about gay self-discovery, so it's pretty gay. I don't know. I think. I mean, it takes place
0: with a gay backdrop, but I don't necessarily think that it's a gay movie. I, it focuses a lot
2: on butts. Like, the first...
3: <laughs> that's
0: fine. <laughs> the that's the scene me, that they go into. To me, that's
3: all just, like, accuracy but and I think, scene setting. I think his self-discovery is around his gayness. I think that's what this scenario allowed him to explore because he, it wasn't like he was trying to discover anything else. He was a cop. He was, well, he didn't, he had problems with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. wife, well, but whatever I, see, I didn't that... get that. What... Oh, at first they were like, not on the same page. It but... just
2: seemed like they, they had like a little passionless yeah. thing going on. Until that... he started going mm. to
3: the gay clubs. And coming home, and I her, didn't get her. that. I, I thought they had a very
0: loving relationship and he just like had to. It, it was
2: very vanilla, I feel. Was, and th- there was just a hint of boredom yeah. to it
3: that I got okay. out of it. All the things I think are like technically he had this excuse, which is why it made him the made it the perfect opportunity for him to explore. But she was like, what's this new assignment? And he's like, I can't tell you. And like totally valid. He probably actually yeah, can't. But then it was just yeah. like.
1: I think the fact that he said, he, I can't tell you shows the struggle that's going on because who doesn't Mm -hmm. tell their significant other everything like when when you Mm -hmm. tell a secret to somebody who's in a relationship you just pretty much assume that you're telling them and their spouse
2: i don't actually think al pacino's gay per se but i think there is just like a sliver of them that's into it yeah i think he has some sort of
0: just like a a voyage of discovery Mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily mean i'm sorry are you
3: talking star trek now
2: (laughs) (laughs) voyager discovery Uh, I mean, you know,
0: Picard-Elaine, right? The, uh, <laughs> I could Kirk this up for hours. Um, the, uh, I mean, the, the thing that the movie seems to cling on is that he's just... <laughs> he's more just discovering that there are there are things within himself that he doesn't know. Like, And this is just a, a piece of life that he had no idea about. And then he has to be so involved in it mm-hmm. that it's it shakes him yeah
2: yeah th- th- that's sort of like i don't think like you know if we were to see like the next six months of his life or something i don't think he'd leave his girlfriend or yeah i think it's a girlfriend i don't think it's a wife because yeah. they, they live in different yeah. places also we should mention she was in raiders of the lost ark yeah karen, allen, karen she, allen she ran the bar in the himalayas or whatever it was but yeah if we were to see the next six months of his life i don't think that they would have broken up or anything like that i just think that he has this like little sliver of like non- heterosexuality in him that is sort of uh, awoken by going to these places and if
3: that's true that's actually a really progressive thing to be able to show a heterosexual man being at least a little bit interested in this culture so that could actually like that's where i think the the time it was released plays such a big role in this because that would be nowadays a really incredible and like progressive thing to see a straight guy be like oh okay cool that's
2: cool. Yeah, I I, I think that the, when audiences in 1980 saw it, though, because it was, like, right at that, like, turning point where, like, disco was dying, club scenes were not, like, the Studio 54 glamour anonymous sex thing, and we were going to, like, a more conservative period of time, I think that kind of played into it a little bit as well.
3: I think it's hard to get into any of those subtleties about the character and what he was feeling and thinking when it's, like... But there were naked gay people at a bar. Like it's just, yeah. it's hard to it's, talk about anything more. I
0: mean, William Friedkin is a director who consciously chooses difficult material mm-hmm. and uh, an adult material, and so I think that this movie is meant to make you think, and it's I, I think it's ambiguous too for a reason.
2: Yeah, because I mean, his depiction of this culture isn't necessarily either inaccurate or degrading or anything like that. Like he's doing like a depiction of like the leather bar scene relatively accurately. I mean, obviously I wasn't even alive in this time, but like, this is like sort of the tail end of like taxi driver era, New York city, Mm -hmm. like when crime was really high and property values were real low and, you know, even modestly big cities at the time didn't have a big gay culture. Like you had to go to big, big cities to get any sort of gay culture. So, you know, people from all across the country would flock to new york for this it's it's,
1: it's also important to remember that it's it's post stonewall pre-aids yeah yeah that's the the lens and i i think that things were changing really rapidly for gay people in this country in a positive direction Mm -hmm. before aids sort of ruined it for a generation Mm -hmm. so i wonder if humanizing gay people might have played better then Mm -hmm. than it would have even two or three years after that
2: because uh, William Friedkin, we talked about doing a double feature of, of this and Boys in the Band, which William Friedkin also directed and is super sympathetic to LGBT, like, specifically, like, gay men. I mean, and, it also depicts men, gay men who hate themselves, but... Yeah, I mean, there's so th- a... Which
0: is also accurate. Yeah. <laughs> a mixed bag. That, that is just,
2: like, self-loathing the movie. <laughs> 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 but it that, like, came out right before he made The French Connection, and then The French Connection came out right before he made The Exorcist. So it's like William Frequent, I don't think has any moral or personal bias against the queer community as a whole either. Mm -hmm. So I think that he actually is like legitimately interested in this thing and kind of used this movie as a way that he could explore it.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to, to note that while Vito Russo, you know, was like, we need to protest this movie and like brought a bunch of people out and like, tried to get this movie not made. The leather community loves this movie. The gay leather community in New York was like, I am so glad to finally have like some kind of representation, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think speaks to William Friedkin treating it sympathetically.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's interesting that like straight people were like, this is crazy, so we'll rule them out. They were going to, no matter what happened, they were going to, they're out of there. But gay people are like, we don't want to be seen only as the leather community where like that's an important part of our community. Like I feel like a lot of these subcultures these minorities within our own community we don't always like to acknowledge that they exist or we think it's damaging to connect us to them mm-hmm. even though they're the really important part of our community trans people uh sex workers yeah poor people those fuck are that. all people that's that... except
0: all of it like yeah. i fuck fuck this like increments yeah <laughs> and,
2: and and really like the, the way the sex workers were depicted in this movie are like sympathetic like mm-hmm. they're the ones being marginalized oh. and abused by the system i yeah. loved that informant the blonde one oh uh, yeah. yeah they were great <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. they were great. Yeah. I don't work with nobody.
0: But John just comes to me and tells me what he wants. Have fantasy will travel.
2: I mean I mean Friedkin's Sympathies is definitely with the sex workers in those scenes. Yeah. And at the end when the chief is like, Six Precinct, you know, whatever De cinema or whatever his name was. Yeah. Even the chief kind of was like having like a, a, a you know, sea change on the whole situation at hand. I can understand, like, if, if you're, like, a vanilla heteronormative homosexual and you this movie comes out and it's, like, yeah, 30% of your entire representation <laughs> in movies, I can kind of see, like, why you might, like, take umbrage at it. But Agreed. I watch it now and I think it, it actually, because it's not, like, in the leather bar, it's not just, like, model types in there. It's, like, real
1: people yeah, who yeah, are, yeah. like... You know, those
0: were real people in New York into the BDSM scene oh, at really? the time. Yeah, these they're oh. really filming in gay bars at the time. Oh. Well, that
1: explains why there were like six John Travoltas. <laughs>
3: yeah, everyone <laughs> looks like Freddie
0: Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> like.
3: But yeah, I did like I wrote down also like oh look they're doing poppers they're doing like they're, oh yeah so many things I almost things. made
0: bingo cards for us because it's <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like a, uh, a you know cornucopia of gay things. We've got hankies. We've got poppers. Mm-hmm. We've got jock straps. We've got dildos. We've got Did like you
3: say lubing up a hand. Yeah, the like, fisting scene. I
0: mean, yeah, guy getting get fisted in a sling. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I mean by like. You know, I can see why people would get upset about it, but it's like, no, just like show it all and like you accept it or you don't. Yeah. Like, this is the world. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think we need to sugarcoat it.
3: Then it's almost like they're directing their anger towards this movie because there's a lack of representation overall. Mm-hmm. If there were 20 movies and this was one of them, mm-hmm. I yeah. bet it would be okay. So it's like, it's, absolutely. it's so, like
0: Black Lives Matters uh, protesters protesting uh, Bernie Sanders. It's like, or, mm-hmm. you know, interrupting the mic there. Cause it's like, th- these are people that will listen mm-hmm. kind of thing, I think. <laughs> Wow,
3: no one has any. Follow-up. No, is that is that your segue into the big black jockstrap guy? Maybe, is we, that what you Maybe we need
0: to talk about it. Oh, let's dive into the
2: jockstrap. Thing.
3: What the fuck? That's what I. That's all my only. Con- what the fuck? Who is that
2: guy? I usually don't look up any Wikipedia or IMDb trivia or anything because, like, I just want my like, impressions to, like, come from, you know, who I am. So, you know, sometimes I end up repeating myself because it's been, like, well-explored, you know, by other people and like, Wikipedia and stuff. But my theory about the interrogation scene involving the large black man wearing only a jock strap and a cowboy hat... <laughs> at the uh, police station. At the police station. Was that when you're doing something mm, illegal, we'll say, mm-hmm. like, if you are a law enforcement agency and you're doing something illegal then what they say is a common tactic is to throw in something in the interrogation process that no one will believe if you report it. So, like, mm. if, like, Black Hitler's in the corner making paninis and, like, <laughs> you go to, like, a different, like, law enforcement agency and, like, yeah, they beated me while interrogating me and Black Hitler was there making paninis in the corner, <laughs> no one will believe you. Huh. So wow. So, if you're being interrogated and this big black man wearing a jack trap and a cowboy hat hits you and you're like, what the fuck is this guy? And nobody else reacts to it it'll make it seem like you're the crazy one in this situation. Like they're not going to believe you because afterwards, like Al Pacino gets hit. But like when he walks out of the interrogation room, he's like, Hey,
1: you really hit me, man.
2: Takes the cowboy hat and throws it out the window. Yeah. Yeah. That's the impression that I got is that like they were putting this in so that the person they were interrogating couldn't go say that like he was abused elsewhere. Ryan doesn't like that. No, no, I better. love it. It's
0: just what what makes me feel is that like, you know, Friedkin is, is so interested in actually telling an accurate story that he would do something like that. Mm. That's seems bizarre to us, mm-hmm. but is actually a a thing that police would actually do. I think it just like supports my argument that this is a police story.
3: He also like this has to be some kind of parallel with the violence that is not like totally accurately, like being assumed, I guess in the BDSM community of like, he looks like the gay men in that he's wearing a jockstrap and mostly naked and, and then like beating them. So like, that's, I think that could also play into these people are dangerous and will
0: beat you. And they fantasize about this stuff. That the presume
2: like the, the, the uh, fetishizing of the violence in these clubs is being reflected outside. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm.
3: In a movie about, the BDSM scene, having like a jockstrap buff black guy hitting them, like that has to be related to that representation of BDSM in some way. And maybe it's like, so going on the theory of it's the cops doing it on purpose, like the cops are using this community, like they are to get a blowjob, even though they're like, they're just using this community to their own will and then throwing them away. Mm, So,
0: mm. I mean, there is the element of pressure from organizations, the mayor's office, even saying, like, you need to get these solved.
1: PC's on the phone, the mayor's on the phone, every gay group in the city is stomping around my office all day. Now, what in Christ more do you need, Dave?
0: Which... Kind of sucks because at first it's you know it's just like a bunch of randos who are dying and so they don't care but as soon as like a columbia professor gets killed it's like whoa, whoa we need to pay attention to this now yeah and so like the mayor's you know getting pressured to, to solve this and so he goes to the i don't know chief of police who goes you know down the line and eventually it all lands on al pacino's lap
2: so wrap it up i don't care how
1: you do it you clean this thing up before the democratic convention comes in or I will put somebody in your office who can.
0: There is this pressure to get something solved so the public can move on. Otherwise, they're not going to be happy. And so they—they they, that's why they take in that first guy and...
2: Grill him. Yeah,
0: and, but they can't convict him because it's the wrong guy because the fingerprints don't match or something like that. But mm-hmm. like, like I like all that police work that's and going on in there.
3: A lot of that is accurate in that there are serial killers that specifically went to the BDSM community because they knew that people would be more open to... And, like, police did just try to close things and didn't care about things when it was just gay people dying. And so a lot of that feels very
2: I'm, I mean, you can tell from the way that, like, the chief and the other police officers are reacting initially that this is, like, a headache to them and not, like, another day on the job. Like, this is, like... Oh great! We gotta do this case now. Yeah. Faggots
3: keep dying. Yeah. Again. Basically. Uh, can you
2: imagine? So <laughs> and, and that's why, like, when the chief sort of had, like, you can see in his, like, you know, in his face that, like, he's sort of, you know, he he believes the sex worker from the beginning and things like that, and he he's kind of changing his opinion on abuse of these people. I think that's like a like a little moral victory that, like, the the chief mm. is just a supporting character, Paul Sorvino. Paul I think. Sorvino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just has like a little moral arc of his own in the movie. Yeah, like for sure. he went from like indifferent to like caring a little bit in the movie. Yeah, uh, I just want to say real quick before we get off the topic of the big black man, we can all agree he had the best ass in the movie, right? Yeah, he had yes. the best body of anyone in the movie.
0: Well, I, mean, I don't know that first guy who died had a
2: pretty nice ass. Y- yeah, but I don't know. I feel like the black guy had the best. Mm. that specific black man. this sounds like a twitter poll to me <laughs> i would if i w- had one person smack
3: me in the face from that movie it would be the big black guy okay okay mm.
1: mm. Did we see other jockstraps in that movie? Yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, the opening, like, or the first, like, the, club like, scene the is just a
1: pan across, like, people
2: wearing jockstraps. It in, was an orgy of jockstraps.
3: I mean, in
1: my, in my head, it was a lot of leather and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of bell bottoms. But I, I don't. know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, is that what
2: you call uh, bottoms from the south? Yes.
0: Uh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I get it. Fun fact. I,
0: I was the runner up to Miss Bellbottom
2: uh 1999.
3: <laughs> oh. So close. Uh, I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no, there's just like a, a like a lateral pan of like it's just like waist to knee shots and they're all wearing jock straps and it's like very real butts like they're not like yeah, model yeah, yeah. butts, they're no, real butts. They're real butts. I wanted to go back
0: real fast when you were talking about how serial killing in uh like this in the gays happened for reals. Mhm. Um so irl (laughs) yeah so in the exorcist which also was directed by william Friedkin, there's a scene where they bring reagan in like get her x-rayed and stuff and he used an x-ray tech to do (gasps) the scene in it and that guy who's actually the x-ray tech confessed to a bunch of gay murders
3: (laughs) He was an active serial killer at the time they were shooting that. And then
0: Friedkin used him as a consultant on this movie.
3: Oh, really? Yes,
0: isn't that crazy? Used him as a consultant? Yeah, he's like, wait, you were in my movie, right? Like, you you confessed to all these uh, killing all these. Oh, after Yeah, the guy was in jail, and Friedkin used him as uh, a consultant on this movie. I like it.
3: I mean, that's horrifying, but like. Kind of, but... Like, that that's his commitment be... to making this real, oh. you know? Wow. So instead of, like, most people being like, oh, oh so sorry that I put a serial killer in my movie, he's like, okay, let's keep this relationship <laughs> I going. I, I got an in? Is <laughs> that what you're saying?
0: Yes. I read that he also used, like, his connections to the mafia to get it to film in these uh, clubs, because all these clubs oh. were owned by the mafia at the time. And so he just had connections and was able to, like, get in there and film it.
2: Wow. I like it. I, I
0: mean, like it a lot. It's wild. It's cool, I think. I don't know. That's
3: intense. That makes me nervous. Like, who is this freaking person? <laughs> what do we know about Academy
2: Award winning director, William Friedkin. <laughs> what do you win in Academy Award? French for? Connection. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he still makes movies. Yeah? Yeah. Anything we would
1: have heard of recently.
2: Uh, Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey came out in like 2012. I think that was like his last like sort of any acclaim movie. Yeah,
0: there's been one since then that was kind of poopy, I heard.
2: But nah, he was just yeah you know, big name mostly in the 70s primarily because of french connection and then like he wins like best picture best director for that turns around and makes the exorcist which really watching it now it's still pretty controversial like An 11-year-old girl masturbates with a crucifix, like, bloodily. Yeah. Yeah, the movie's still pretty controversial. Let's
3: keep going down the list. Al Pacino, did he do anything?
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's
0: played... So, uh, I was thinking this is weird, too. This is sort of a combo of uh, Dog Day Afternoon and Serpico, which came before this movie. Because Serpico is a movie where he's, like, this undercover cop... Like genius, and he's like always going undercover hmm. to do things. And Dog Day Afternoon, he plays a gay man mm-hmm. who um, is—he's like, robbing a bank. bank to pay for his partner's surgery, sex change.
2: Yeah, sex change operation, essentially. So he's kind of doing both in this movie. How did he not get? Typecast as the guy that plays gay people. He kind of took a break in the eighties; like he didn't come back till Sea of Love, which I think was like eighty-seven or something like that. But after cruising, he didn't make a lot of movies. Like he took like seven years off just to do like stage work. Mm. Needed to like cleanse the gay.
1: Okay,
3: no, Maybe. stage work does not help cleanse the gay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. <laughs> Here is the part I was confused about. When he was cruising, hey, that's the name of the show. He picked like the the guy that. Like came out like for him or something looked like the killer, and and then the killer, uh, who I thought was the killer, then got murdered.
1: Yeah. I was
3: very confused at that time in the park when he's in, in the, the park. park. Yeah. yeah, I got very confused with that, and I thought either this is terrible casting because he looks too similar to the killer himself, or Al Pacino has now killed the killer and has become the killer.
1: Was that the same actor? Do we know? The way I remember
0: the scene is that he. Sees the dude that looks like the killer, mm-hmm. and then they pass each other. And then there's another dude who comes who looks similar to the killer that ends up getting killed by the killer.
3: Which, see, okay, if but that's I think... the case, that's horrible casting
1: because it's too similar. <laughs> I th-
0: but I think that's kind of the point, too, because, you know, there is like a look of this like leather community oh, where they're they have all the to- same. Yeah. Yeah. No, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> I'm digging a hole here at the end. When, um, his girlfriend is like putting on the cap and putting on the glasses and the jacket and looking at herself in the mirror, I think it's supposed to also sort of symbolize that. Like, Maybe they didn't get the right guy because everybody or, is pretty. Oh,
3: maybe so, it's Al Pacino.
2: Yeah. So, maybe that's another. Now, see, I took that as that this is, uh, he can no longer compartmentalize this. This is officially bled over into his everyday life, like outside of his detective work. Oh. This is now part of his sex life. He's still and his romantic be going life. To, these, to these bars. Not that necessarily that he'll be going to these bars, but like, you know, this box cannot be closed now. Like, Sorry. Which is what I refer to women as. <laughs> 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 um,
3: I although okay, if it's my theory, I'm just now thinking through it. If I I think. Al Pacino became the killer, so then that is a bad representation of gay people in that, like, oh, you spent a couple days in the gay BDSM scene, and now you're just murdering. Which is, his.
2: the first time that I watched it, that's how I interpret it, Ugh. is that, not necessarily that he was the killer, but now he had a violent streak through him mm. because he had spent time in these things. Yeah. Now I see it as that that was always there, and... Just like his just, gayness. This just made it surface, because, like, mm. he's got the neighbor across the hall, mm-hmm. and the neighbor's partner thinks that... uh the Ted, the guy who ends up dead at the end.
0: I called him Garfield because he said I hate Mondays. <laughs> I hate Mondays. But
2: Al Pacino has that encounter with Ted's partner. Is that at the door yeah.
3: where they were yelling
0: and
2: at he's each got other? the cute green undies on?
1: You must be the famous John Forbes. You must be Greg. Yeah, looks as if I got back just in time. What do you mean? Do you usually come barging
3: in on Ted at dinner time? I wrote down right there, this shows the line between flirtation and fighting.
2: You flirt way different than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
3: (laughs) I think that's one of the stereotypes is that we're all dudes. So where it's going to be like a little bit violent when you're flirting. And so like that scene on its own, is like probably not a great representation of gay people because of that, like idea that those two things are intertwined.
2: Well, see, I took it that. Al Pacino, because like this little, you know, sliver or slice, we'll say it's a bigger part of them than just a sliver, like is coming out. He doesn't know how to reconcile like, hey, these like leather clubs, like I think goes completely against the grain that like gay men are dandies or like sissies. Like this is like uber masculine clubs in here. And this, like this encounter that he had with, you know, the neighbor's partner questions his masculinity maybe a little bit and instead of just like not caring like he should have not cared because he was not sleeping with ted presumably and you know who cares what his partner thought he instead has this huge confrontation with him where like he literally tries to kick in his door and they have this fight and i think it's like because like now he has this like heightened level of of, like toxic masculinity running through him he can't just turn the other cheek you know he has to confront it violently
3: oh i'm bought in i agree (laughs) no i agree yeah you're right he's like i don't know how to deal with these feelings i have Mm -hmm. so like instead of like it it was a mixture of flirting and fighting but like i'm gonna go for the violent one the the and that's like don't know how to express themselves just in general yeah and i I
2: think like it stems from he doesn't understand these emotions that are being unlocked and so this is how they come out when you don't have a healthy way to explore emotions and it's like he answers the door and like that partner I'd fuck that guy like he was hot (laughs) and he's in there like just wearing like the green tidy whiteys and a wife beater I'm like he's hot like yeah yeah. he's a dancer yeah, but Al Pacino was probably aroused, maybe, if we're going with like him he... having like a level of, of homosexuality to him. Yeah. At least confused. You know? Yeah.
1: So I, I'm curious. I want to look at the ways in which maybe Al Pacino's character went through a journey of his own of humanizing gay people because he was one, mm-hmm. right? Like there's the scene that we just talked about with the black guy in the jockstrap that beats up the first yeah. suspect. And then right after that, Al Pacino is in... Paul Sorvino's office saying, I didn't come on this job to shit can some guy just cause he's gay. Captain." That's a humanization of gay people. And then I wonder if part of him realized that gay relationships are relationships mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that he's sort of leaping to his friend Ted's defense because no, we're not fucking you're an asshole. Sure. Like but that sort of humanizes their relationship.
3: Right. You
0: mm-hmm. know, in, in, a,
1: in, a, in an
3: odd way. Yeah. Ted's
0: a great character. Honestly, I like, I like him as a, uh, a balance point to all this like uber masculine you know snm mm. he's the proxy for you know just like a regular gay person yeah because totally. yeah. you know? yeah, <laughs>
2: they're having really like domestic squabbles like there's a scene where like al pacino comes home and he's just he's just trying to like watch tv and he's hearing those two fight across the hall yeah and they're having just straight-up, like, marital disputes. Right.
0: And and he gets, Ted gets deep. You know, Ted talks about his life and, like, what he's doing. And they go and get food together. And he's just like, you know, he has feelings. Mm-hmm. Ted's mm-hmm. a shaded character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, for a supporting character, like, they give Ted a little depth. Yeah. Uh, and then he dies. And then he dies. <laughs>
0: Not great, but...
2: <laughs> Presumably at the hands of his partner. Yeah. I thought... I just assumed... That it was Al Pacino, oh. that they didn't get the right guy. Yeah. Well, they they talk about how there's no signs of a struggle, and so it would you the, know the be the someone MO that was he different the yeah was that different. that it was someone that he knew.
0: But that just yeah that lent so that could play in stupid. that it was Al Pacino yeah.
2: potentially, but yeah. I think it was that Al Pacino pissed off his partner, and that his partner then murdered Ted. Yeah,
0: it's ambiguous.
2: Yeah. Before I forget, I love like forensic science. So Mm -hmm. when they were talking about the stab wounds at the beginning, they're like,
0: Well, this first wound here,
3: that's clean, which means he never knew it was coming. But this one and these, they're defensive, which means he tried to resist. So we have a top to bottom grouping. And from the angle of entry, I'd say your killer was right handed.
2: That's all so
1: fascinating to me. I think that is
2: like the coolest
1: stuff in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It really bothered me that when the stabbing actually happened, I don't think that the first stab wound uh, on camera matched up with the one that the forensic. It was a little lower than
2: the one that you see in the yeah. Like if you're gonna science that shit up, you got to be real (laughs) accurate. Them talking about that stuff, I'm always like super curious. I remember on one of your guys' podcast, oh it was the Johnny Versace episode, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, and you were talking about how. They thought that, like, he might have been, like, begging for, like, his hands were up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, But y- you weren't sure why, like, the forensic scientists can handle that. And I was listening to that episode. And I was like, I know why. I know why. <laughs> it's because your shirt is raised when your hands are up, like, if you're, like, pleading uh, or, like, surrendering. And so if you get shot through your shirt, once your arms are down, up. the bullet holes will be lower than where the gun holes are. <sighs> there you go. Yeah.
3: People are so smart. Yeah, I know, I know right? Not you specifically, <laughs> Matt, but just people in general that figure that out.
2: So, uh, uh, no, I love like forensic autopsy shit. Like, I find that stuff so fascinating. Yeah. I wrote down an
3: important thing Wait, God, I shut need up. to talk about.
1: Who needs, who needs alcohol? I'll take something. Me, I can, uh, get PBR? Should, should we, open the- should I we take a break? Oh, yeah.
3: Wait!
0: <laughs>
2: are
1: we back? Yeah. We're back.
3: Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle, you had a point. But... We're back. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah we're back. I'm glad there was this big buildup because it's a really important point that I wanted to make to everyone. Um, Great. I wrote down, quote, you fingered him, end quote. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote, lol. <laughs> now, that was what
1: I wanted to say. You fingered him. I fingered him, but I didn't think anybody was going to go that far with him. When did the word fingered stop meaning accuse, right? I... <laughs> I think they still use it. No. 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 I think its
3: usage in the non butt or vagina sense has really diminished
1: that's my impression too
3: because like when is the last time you hear like they fingered the guy that got the thing you know you have to do the old-time you voice because it's not yeah it's not something law to enforcement
2: say. officials chime in do you still say fingered <laughs> we gotta know <laughs>
3: law, law enforcement officials how many people have you fingered last year <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what 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 I mean there
0: was you a took lot a
2: lot of notes Ryan and I don't feel like you've talked nearly enough on the amount of notes that you took
0: okay give me one minute. So we were talking a little bit about how this is like uber macho, gay. This came out the same year as Xanadu, Xanadu. which we did a couple episodes ago, which is gay in a different way. And uh, this movie, Cruising, was also nominated for Worst Razzie, or Worst Movie of the Year. Oh, worst bra-
3: worst Razzie. It's the <laughs> Razzies of Razzies.
0: <laughs> uh, along with Xanadu, which was the reason the guy started the Razzies. And uh, I think that's oh. very homophobic of them, actually. Kind of hurt oh. my feelings a little bit.
2: Oh. I can kind of see almost how, under a different lens, you could think this was campy. Like a little ott, like, like little the way bit. Al Pacino dances. Oh, you know me. He, yeah, he. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what is that? He's like shaking. Oh, oh
1: my God! He, when he does the poppers and he like yeah. spazzes yeah. out on the he, dance floor, yeah. it's
0: does ridiculous. The, does
2: the amol and
0: then like goes out there and. I like that scene because it's cool when he does the poppers, the, the color changes. Yes. Like, that's yes, cool, yes, yes, but yes. the
2: way he's dancing is so bizarre. I'm about to make a reference that only Ryan will understand. It's like Paul Verhoeven dancing. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's oh. Paul Verhoeven, oh, levels Verhoeven of dancing. Punching and jerking. Damn. It's just not real dancing. But no, it, he dances that way. Is that a German restaurant? <laughs>
2: uh, it's it's delicious. delicious. Dutch. He directed a little movie called Showgirls.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Starship uh, Troopers, Total Basic Recall. Basic Instinct. Yeah, yeah. Robocop. I do like Robocop. Oh, d-
3: are we supposed to chime in? I've heard of some of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ding. Ding. <laughs> I wrote down another important point. I said the most shocking part of the movie, Radio Shack was still a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my <laughs> God. I loved that Radio
0: Shack sign. Yeah. <laughs> and the St. James Hotel, which was right next to it. It's so, like, oh, 70s. Saint- I don't know, Saint- Saint? Just, like, the font on it. It oh. looks so like <laughs> yeah, like, 70s. Yeah.
1: My favorite lines from that movie, when... broski says, "How big are you?" And Al Pacino says, "I'm party Party size." (laughs) That was good.
2: I did not understand that exchange. uh, He was talking about his penis. (laughs) Well, no, I.
0: (laughs) How big are you?
1: Party size. What are you into? I go anywhere.
2: I don't do anything. That's cool. Hips or lips? I was like, I don't know what any of that means. Like, hips or lips. I mean, that I can f- discern. But, but <laughs> I,
0: I was confused. Does that mean that you only put your mouth on hips and on lips or like?
2: Well, I think it was fucking or sucking. Oh,
0: okay. Sure. And I think sense. like I oh, go I thought that
2: anywhere was... meant versatile and like I don't. Oh, I thought go anywhere would be like host or travel. Mm. Well, I thought they already decided that like that was the spot. And so I, I felt like I can go. I go anywhere meant versatile. So like. Oh. Al Pacino had clearly like picked up on the lingo enough at this point to like speak in code. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. he... And we as gays don't understand that code, apparently. No,
2: like I really didn't, because the other guy says like I don't go anywhere or I don't do anything, or he said something to that effect. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know what that means. Like hmm. he's obviously about to have sex with or trying to have sex with Al Pacino in some manner. Whether it's like, you know, sucking or fucking, like, I don't know, but I don't know. Al Pacino seemed to know the score.
3: I thought I would be sluttier than this. Hips or lips? I thought would be making out or blowing. What? Mm. What's hips? It's like you're holding onto their hips while you have their. Dick See, in it's your... not descriptive enough because it doesn't no. say if you're the.
0: If you're think the, it through, Kyle, the dom or the sub in this situation, like <laughs> hips or lips, just means it's that he's asking like what color hanky, not like what pocket are you wearing it in. But the,
3: I think oh,
2: it'd be the. Yeah.
3: I think at that time, like the obvious thing is that if you're the top, you're the dom, like.
2: But I couldn't discern who was who in this situation. Yeah, they were like sizing each other up or something. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell who was going to get sucked or fucked and yeah. who was how going do you to be like taking fucking... knives
3: in the back, <laughs> <laughs> good or bad?
1: So question: Do you think because I don't think it ever happens on screen? Do you think Al Pacino's character ever did gay things?
2: No, I don't think so. I don't either. Yeah. Do you? I mean, define gay things. I think going to a leather bar and watching people get fisted is pretty gay.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, Pop some poppers and do some gyrations.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Did did sexy things to a man or had a man do sexy things to him? I'm going to go with no. I mean, he gets
0: touched at one point. Like a guy like rubs his chest and he just stares back at him. So it is suggestive that maybe he went a little further than that. Yeah. It's possible. I don't get that impression, but... Maybe
2: there's a part of the film. It's right when Al Pacino is first cruising. He's got the yellow hanky out of his right pocket. Oh yeah, is it left or left? I want, to, I want to pee on you. Yeah, he wants to pee on someone, and that queen with like the uh, the blinking yellow lights, the cyborg <laughs>
0: he had like a belt with lights on it. But
2: like uh, he had like a, a yellow bandana like wrapped around his neck. Yeah, what does that mean? I'm assuming it meant like water sports. Either way. Oh, just any all kind of pee. Spread the water sports around. Uh, Yeah, my my indication is just, yeah, like, give or take. My stomach is full. I vomit pee. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very specific. You vomit. Like, he's into vomiting the pee onto somebody. (laughs) So... But that queen was sort of a bitch to Al Pacino.
1: If you like to watch, take that hanky out of your pocket, asshole. Kyle agreed with the queen. I yeah, did too. He was like, "Get
3: that shit!" Out. Like you gotta it's know your false norms. advertising.
2: Yeah, I, I felt like it was a little, little overly. He overreacted to Al Pacino he's, in that situation.
3: He's walking into a place that he does not belong, trying to blend in, and he didn't do it. And that was like, and so he like got to. At the, first the, it's like he's but a the no queen went head. beyond
2: being bitchy to just being mean. Like you could be catty and tell him, like, "You should probably take that out of your pocket, honey," or something like that. He was like full on, like, butthurt about it and just like didn't know how to like
1: tell him.
0: He was excited about getting pissed on, <laughs> and it didn't happen. <laughs> I, I,
1: I agree. Like we, I agree with Matt. We we talk on our show a lot about assume positive intent. Like, yeah. assume that that person just doesn't know what they're doing. Don't assume mm. that they are being a dick by false advertising. Like, slow your roll, educate. I think and we'll talk that's... about this a lot in your guys' episode coming up <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> We need a
2: piece of tape to draw across the table. Here. I'm I'm not convinced. I love, I love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have any final thoughts or feelings that they were not able to let out
1: previously? I love Karen Allen's apartment. Oh yeah my God.
2: <laughs> hardwood floor filled with plants y'all that's are... the sexiest part about this movie to me. <laughs> y'all are so gay <laughs> no that was a gorgeous place Oh, oh
0: i want that apartment mm. great, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> no i mean i like like i said i, I i've had uh, a lot of preconceived notions about this movie going into it and watching it as just a movie of its on its own I think it's a good movie
2: this movie I'd seen it before and I liked it and watching it this time I liked it even more it challenged my preconceived notions of it and it, it's almost as if Friedkin knew that I would have like this like my my first uh, idea of what the movie was about because the watching it a second time almost like argued with Mm. what I thought this Mm -hmm. movie was about watching a second time he
0: makes interesting movies that are for adults who care about movies yeah uh,
2: Ryan and I were talking about this off pod like Friedkin I just like him as a filmmaker like even when it's just like two people talking or it's like you know Pacino and the killer like out in Central Park I'm like this just looks good Mm. like they're exchanging dialogue and it just looks good to me no I just I really like his movies I think he he does a really good job with them so Thanks for wanting to talk about it with us. Yeah, yeah
1: for sure. We
3: can talk more sure. off pod.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why were we getting derision for that?
3: I just never heard that, and you just made it sound like it's a, oh, we were talking off pod about this. Like
2: it's uh, Ryan and I enjoy each other's company outside of this podcast. But you don't
3: need to give a pretentious label to it. You <laughs> can just say we were talking. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> but people might you know they might pour it- through our <laughs> podcast looking for and then when we talked about tweet, it. tweet at us like they'll be like I, cover that. I listened to 80 hours of you <laughs> and you never once said Frank Kim was a good director.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to save people time.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. For oh, <laughs>
3: your givers. I love that. <laughs>
0: Well, Matt, should we
2: plug our junk and get the fuck out of here? No, we need to know what's going on next week Oh I want to watch something hyper-masculine Because this didn't do it for me, apparently (laughs) Terminator 2 Close Okay It is a Schwarzenegger movie Okay (gasps) I'm going to do Commando Oh, shit. Which is just like quips and explosions (laughs) and Arnold Schwarzenegger not wearing a shirt. We're going to talk about my wavering feelings on how attractive Arnold Schwarzenegger is depending on what time period it's in. (laughs) Can't wait. After
1: Um, you guys leave, I'm going to go Commando to Capitol Hill. (laughs) (laughs) See what happens. Uh, Have you seen Commando before? No. Oh, good.
0: I did watch a lot of 80s movies at friends' houses when their dad was watching them. 80s action movies. So it's possible I've seen parts of it, but Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Okay, cool. Is there anything that our guests would like to plug junk wise?
3: Oh, well, y'all are going to be on our podcast episode talking about cruising, but like, but like crew, not the movie, just the act of cruising. So check that out. I don't forget which order things are happening in, but it either just happened or will about to happen. I think
0: they're going to drop
1: around the same time.
3: Either after or before. You guys just go to Gayish on
1: Actually, Apple
0: Podcasts and where you get your podcasts. Yeah. And uh, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out.
2: Gayishpodcast.com. Can they follow you on Twitter?
3: oh my god we have yeah but we like yeah we have twitter (laughs) and youtube and instagram and a facebook group and it's all called gayish podcast
0: their logo is a person pulling their shirt open and it's Clark Kent style yeah
2: Yeah. of course you can follow us twitter x-rated movies facebook (laughs) at rated x movies website xratedmovies.com apple Podcasts, stitcher wherever you get your podcasts
0: I I assume if you're listening to podcasts you're savvy enough to uh, navigate the internet You
3: know, that's the thing is like on anything you're like saying check us out on it's like you're mostly saying that to people who listen to podcasts so you can be like where you know to go already because yeah. you know what you're doing if
0: you understand how to work a podcast you probably understand something.
3: but if you could leave us a little love wherever you leave podcasts, we would love a little love give oh, yeah. a review and some stars yeah sorry. preferably five stars i'm looking I mean, at you susan <laughs> <laughs> i saw that review you filled out
1: three and a half stars i mean she's
2: really tough to please though i know. So. <laughs>
1: How did I get this drunk before we do our podcast? I know, I'm, but I'm kind of wasted. Great.
2: <laughs> so check it out for an exciting time. I'm kind of wasted. I can already hear the outro music.
1: <laughs> you guys will be on our podcast on the episode that drops September 20th. Perfect. Oh, so, okay, same so a couple days. Same in week. a couple yeah. days
0: from when we drop this. So take a listen. Until then, can I ask you all to join me in a chorus of, uh, of "We're here, here. I'm, I'm here, here. <laughs> you're here." <laughs> From the movie? That's yeah. Uh, no,
1: because in- somebody dies whenever that song happens. <laughs> somebody at the cuff just died because you sang that song.
2: Wow, is this like Candyman or Bloody Mary or yeah. something like that?
3: Every time the song is sung, a Josh <laughs> dude gets killed.
2: <laughs> okay, anyway. we're done. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>